As we continue to learn more about the train derailment that took place in Ohio and we continue to cover it, it's harder and harder to avoid this sub story that's come up about some breaking related regulations that were put in place by the Obama administration that the Trump administration rolled back. Now, the reason I haven't spoken about that yet is it's genuinely unclear to me and apparently to others as well, whether those regulations are actually related to what took place in this particular train derailment. I have a friend who's a train engineer and he looked at it very strongly and he said, yes, that happened, but it's not clear yet, at least that that's related to this train derailment. But putting that aside for a moment, that topic has now even made it to Fox and friends, even Fox and friends who, you know, the interesting thing about this story is that it has gone somewhat bipartisan because I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, but from some of the right, they're interested in the train derailment, not because they care about trains or they care about regulation, but because they believe the media doesn't care about the train derailment because a lot of the victims in Ohio are white. I know it's crazy. And we already talked about that on the Wednesday show. But regardless, it's leading to right wing media caring about the train derailment. They also see it as an opportunity to criticize Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and Democratic President Joe Biden. So needless to say, I have to tell you, I was surprised. Even Fox and Friends' Brian Kilmeade yesterday morning mentioned this issue of those regulatory changes. Right. Uh, uh, speaking of the White Good House, uh, apparently regulations regarding train safety. Were oh, this is Steve, uh, Steve Ducey, not Kilmeade. Changed during the Trump administration. Uh, this particular railroad and others lobbied President Trump to dismantle an Obama era rule True. that would have required railroads to update their braking systems. And uh, apparently the Obama administration had pushed for it to govern transportation of hazardous materials after about half a million uh, barrels of crude were dumped. Uh, but ultimately, the Trump administration undid that and said the costs exceeded the benefits. Nobody understands. And, you know, when, when they talk about whether or not it's safe to drink the water. OK, so then they get off of that aspect. That is absolutely and completely true. If you Google this, you'll find it widely documented. Here's one article. Trump rolls. This is from 2018. Trump rolls back train breaking rule meant to keep oil tankers from exploding near communities. And the article reads trains that carry oil and other flammable material won't have to install won't have to install electronically controlled brakes that reduce the risk of train derailments and explosions after the reversal by Trump officials of an Obama era safety rule. The Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration posted the rule change on its website. And again, they say today this was from September of 2018, arguing the cost of installing these more sophisticated brakes outweighs the benefit. This was first proposed in December 2017, around the time of a deadly Amtrak derailment and finalized today. The improved brakes had had a 2021 deadline for installation. So it is 100 percent true that this was something that uh, was started during the Obama administration. A deadline was placed on it under Trump. That was canceled. I would want to be really sure that it's actually related to this train derailment before we ascribe this train derailment blame under that umbrella. But it still goes without saying 
that we are not overregulated when it comes to trains by any means. And in fact, it's probably the opposite. But ultimately, we will have a more specific answer here. And I mean, listen, good for Fox News for bringing it up. They get they mention it as an aside and they get off of it very quickly. But they did bring it up to their credit. There is something going on with this 2024 presidential primary that should interest political scientists, psychologists, sociologists. It it's unbelievable the dynamic that is developed between Nikki Haley, who announced her candidacy on Tuesday against Donald Trump and Trump himself. Trump very quickly jumping out and attacking Nikki Haley as terrible at her job. Nikki Haley not attacking Trump, in fact, not even drawing any distinctions. And yesterday morning she appeared on Fox and Friends. She's been going around saying we need a cognitive test for politicians over age 75. Now, she mostly means it because of Biden, but she's argued the real advantage to her over Trump is she's from a new generation, which means she's younger. So in some sense, Trump being 76 and Nikki saying, if you're 75 or older, you should take a cognitive test. It also applies to Trump. So the Fox and Friends crew asks Nikki Haley about it and says, well, how would Trump do on that test? Because he's also of that age. Nikki doesn't take the bait, refusing to criticize Donald Trump. How would Donald Trump do on the competency test if uh, at, at 76 years old? You know, I think he did great the last time he did it. I have no reason to think he wouldn't do well this time. He identified the tiger. It was great. But I do think we need it. And it's across the board. I don't think it's for president. I think you look at Congress. Look at all the members of Congress. You have to start doing this for elected officials. When people send someone to Washington, they need to know they're at the top of their game. That's why I think those competency tests are important. <laughs> we can't have someone like Joe Biden who's asleep at the wheel and have China sitting there threatening us and us wondering if he actually knows what's going on. China. This is good for America to do competency tests. This isn't about one person. Yeah. So refusing to criticize Donald Trump. This is the funniest sort of dance that's taking place here. Do I criticize Trump? Don't I? Well, I am running against him, but I also don't want to go against him too hard. And maybe she's actually running to be Trump's VP. That's another thing that occurred to me. This is really a campaign so that she runs a campaign, doesn't insult Trump. And then if she does well enough, maybe Trump invites her to be his running mate. I don't know. This campaign is palpably help. You could just feel it. It's thick. It's going nowhere. Um, in another moment during the same interview, she said, Donald Trump is my friend. Yeah, I mean, it's not in exactly that way. Take a listen to this. When you flip around to other channels or even, you know, when we interview Democrats on this channel, they say you flip flop one minute, you're friends with Donald Trump. The next minute you're not. How do you answer that? Yeah. Well, first of all, President Trump is my friend. I was honored to work with him in the administration. <laughs> I thought he was the right president at the right time. And that remains to be um, the truth. We had a great conversation. I told him that I was doing this because I thought it was time for a new generation. I thought yeah. we needed to leave the status. I told him you're too old. Quo, and we needed to move forward. So I, I just don't even know where to start. First of all, is it possible that Trump actually does want Nikki Haley to run. It is possible. And I keep going back to the same reason why. 
when you look at 2024 Republican primary polling, when it's Trump versus DeSantis head to head, DeSantis does way better and sometimes is actually winning. When you have a poll that it's do you want Trump or DeSantis or Pence or Don Jr. or Mike Pompeo or Nikki Haley or Roger Stone or Alex Jones, who have the more people you stuff into the poll, the better Trump does, because a lot of those other choices take away more from DeSantis than they do from Trump right now. So one could make the argument Trump wants as many people as possible to run because it hurts DeSantis and it helps him. That's a possibility. Secondly, is there any shot? that Nikki Haley wins this nomination if she refuses to go head on and criticize Trump. And by criticize, I don't even mean insult. I just mean draw some policy distinctions, right? Do something to show other than just being young and a minority and a woman, which is the identity politics that Nikki played at her first rally, which we covered yesterday, which took place Wednesday. You have no chance. And the same applies to Ron DeSantis, but differently with Ron DeSantis. I think DeSantis, if he does run for the nomination, has to abandon taking the high road because it's just not what Republican voters seem to want. But with Nikki Haley's campaign, if all you're going to say is Trump is my friend and you're not going to criticize him in terms of policy, you're not going to suggest, yeah, the cognitive test is for Trump, too, because he might be losing. You're going absolutely nowhere. There's just no way. And if her intention is really just to be the VP rather than uh, be the nominee, then maybe this is the right approach. It's just not clear what she's thinking. We should figure out, is she coming up with these ideas or are these the ideas of her advisors? Is she waiting to transition in the here's what it, what is different about me? I don't know the answer, but this is already a completely insane primary. We will have the clips I played for you here. On our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the David Pakman show. And this clip will be dubbed into Spanish and available on the Spanish YouTube channel, which you can find at davidpakman.com slash Spanish. Check it out. Did you know that every year 30 million trees are cut down to meet the demand of toilet paper in the United States alone? Here's something really simple you can do to fight climate change a little bit in your home. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes toilet paper 100 percent from bamboo stocks, which keep growing forever. No trees are cut down. It's shipped right to your door in plastic free packaging. It's fluffy. It's soft like regular toilet paper. You're not making any quality sacrifice. And for every box you buy, real paper donates to reforestation efforts across America through their partnership with one tree planted. So instead of the toilet paper you're currently buying, which cuts down trees and wastes plastic, use real paper actively helping the planet. You can set up a recurring subscription so you're always stocked or do a one time purchase. The average American uses 50 pounds of toilet paper or more every year. Make the easy switch to real paper. You'll get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. Go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's R E E L paper.com slash Pacman. Coupon code Pacman for 30% off and free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated 
We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H.E.L.P.com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Mosh. Whether you're at the gym, on the go, between meals, Mosh protein bars are the smart snack to keep your body and brain fueled. There's six delicious flavors like blueberry almond crunch, peanut butter chocolate crunch, cookie dough crunch. Each Mosh bar comes packed with 12 grams of protein, six grams of fiber, but also important nutrients like vitamin B, vitamin D omega threes and only one gram of sugar and one hundred and sixty calories. I've tried tons of different protein bars. Really, you can't beat the taste and the texture of mosh. I love these. My favorite is the chocolate crunch. Simple, satisfying. Now that I'm back in the gym, I'll snack on one of these after a workout. Mosh is also a mission driven company with a portion of all proceeds donated to support women's brain health research through the women's Alzheimer's movement at Cleveland Clinic. Mosh is giving my audience 20% off plus free shipping on your first six count trial pack. Go to moshlife.com slash Pacman. That's M O S H L I F E dot com slash Pacman for 20% off and free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman show, of course, is a community supported program. You can support the work that we do at joinpacman.com. And it is a lot of work. It really is. You know, people think, oh, David, you just sit around playing on your computer. Well, yes, but there's more to it than that as well. I could tell you someday. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. You'll get instant access to the bonus show and to all of the other great, great things. And of course, while I believe our normal membership rates are eminently reasonably priced, you can take a discount, a non means tested discount available to everybody by using the coupon code 24 starts now. And it really has Nikki Haley, Donald Trump and all of the different things. Let's hear from some people in the audience. We love to hear from the audience, ideally through respectful communication, mutually uh, um, acceptable communication. Why don't we start today via the discord at davidpackmancom slash discord with Harry from Columbus, Ohio. Harry, welcome to the program. Let's start with hopefully no technical issues and a beautiful beginning to today's live calls. Harry, go. Oh, boy. Not an auspicious start. 
Harry muted and just horrifying things happening. Harry, you want to give it one more shot, buddy? Yep. Well, Harry's having a tech disaster. That's too bad. You got to select the right audio device for it to work. Let's try Ricky from Charlotte and see if Ricky from Charlotte can help us recover. Um, Ricky, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David, can you hear me? I can hear you beautifully. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about this right wing civil war that we see starting to unfold. Yeah. And I'm I'm just curious. I'm not exactly sure like what the like what the dividing lines around this will be. I mean, I guess we could say like in the context of going into the 2024 primary, it could be the Trump versus DeSantis line. But I'm 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 really curious about like what the fracture will make you know, like uh, what the civil war will make them look like fractured after like this whole thing is done and whether there could be like any sort of permanent split that could benefit the left. Do you get what I'm asking? A hundred percent. And it's a really hard thing to predict, but it's a really astute thing to be wondering about, because up until weeks ago, really, the dividing line has been you've got your pro Trump and your anti Trump Republicans. Fine. When the speaker vote came that ultimately led to Kevin McCarthy becoming speaker of the House, you had a further subdivision of that where you had anti Trump, but then you had pro Trump that likes McCarthy and pro Trump that says we need an alternative. So it was like Marjorie Taylor Greene versus Lauren Boebert. The 24 election is going to be its own thing, because, for example, you're completely right. You've got the DeSantis and Trump part of it. But now you also have, for example, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley worked in the Trump administration. She was Trump's uh, ambassador to the U.N., but now she's running against Trump. But the other wrinkle to it is Trump actually needs as many people as possible to jump into the primary. Because if you look at head on uh, one on one polls, between Trump and DeSantis, it's very good for DeSantis. When you include more people in the polls, it's better for Trump because they take away support from DeSantis. So it's weird because Nikki Haley is a former Trump staffer who's running against Trump, but Trump actually benefits from the field being more divided. So you're asking a really great question, which is after it all shakes out, then what does the party look like? And it depends whether Trump wins or doesn't win. If Trump loses the primary, whatever the split is between now and and July of 2024, if Trump loses the primary, all bets are off in the sense that there will be a realignment of the Republican Party altogether. And they might even say, hey, you know, we also don't want the Marjorie Taylor Greens. Get them all the hell out of here. If Trump does win the primary, then there will be a question of whether the anti-Trump Republicans have had enough and they want to really try to do something invoking force majeure or something along those lines. It's so hypothetical, Ricky, that I don't know, but it's a fascinating question. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really curious to see where it goes. But like my general thing is I just hope that it, it causes like permanent lasting damage. I, you know, I believe like what Chomsky said that Republican Party is the most dangerous organization in human history. And like, so I, I just root for their downfall. And it's been really interesting to see how um, some of the infighting that we've seen, you know, over the last few years, sort of on the left, at least like in the independent media space, yeah, seems to be really consuming the right because the right, you know, the, the Republican Party and the right seems to be like more, you know, closely united with 
their whole like internet culture and independent media culture. So I don't know if you've seen some of these characters like a uh, Laura Loomer. She's this really crazy far right. Like yeah. Nick Fuentes adjacent. I'm familiar with um, Yeah. And she's like going hard again. She's like essentially leading like a, a Trump or bust movement for 2024s and they're calling DeSantis, essentially calling DeSantis like a lefty and all this stuff. And the interesting I, I thing about that, that, Ricky, if I may, is some of that infighting that took place on the left it's with people that we now all know aren't really on the left. Like it's so it's so funny to give a couple examples. Jimmy Dore and Glenn right. Greenwald. I don't know if you're familiar with them. It's funny because yeah. at one point it was sort of well accepted that they're part of, quote, the left. But then as the infighting began, it kind of became clear that they're kind of reactionary libertarian populists, really. And and that is not exactly on the left. And now, you know, Jimmy Dore is doing his own thing. And Glenn Greenwald, I think, is on like Rumble or something like that. I don't hear anyone on the left still considering them part of the left anymore. And it's sort of like become very clear that a lot of these people really weren't on the left, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I know that like Jimmy and there are some others, I don't know, like uh, uh, Michael Tracy or, or some of these other people, especially like around the issues like the Ukraine war, claim to be like the true left is still. And I, I just think that the, the interesting thing with that is and this can be my conspiracy theory. I think a lot of those characters are were being played by like some sort of Peter Thiel um, deal, you know, in, in order for them to, to get rich. And they never really believed in interesting doing the shift that they, they believed in. But I just hope that like I, I would love to see the, the a similar thing like that actually happen to the right, because I feel like it could be more damaging because that's more tied to their like mainstream culture than, you know, the left independent media. hundred percent. So, yeah. Because these characters on the right that are involved in these tiffs, they really are on the right. Like when th- when the Jimmy Dore thing c- happened, it was like, oh, this guy's not on the left. But these right wingers really are on the right They're It's not like, oh, you know, it turns out Laurel Loomer is actually a leftist. Like, obviously, that's not exactly. So it has the potential to be much more damaging. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's hope it works. Let's hope. Yeah. All All right, my friend. Thank you very much. There's Ricky from Charlotte. Great to hear from him. Let's go next to Johnny from Toronto. We will go to our friendly neighbors to the north. Johnny from Toronto, I am inviting you to speak. Once you accept and properly configure your audio device, hopefully you and I will be able to have dialogue. Hey, David, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. All right, David, sir. It's so great to be here. I kind of have tears in my eyes. I hope my audio is not too bad, but uh, I just had a quick question yeah. in relation to your workout program. Okay. I remember a few, a few months back, you mentioned that you weren't quite comfortable going back to the gym. I'm back at the gym. Of, uh, COVID. Yes. I was just kind of interested and curious if you had a workout program and what that looked like. And because I had a follow-up question to this as well. Yeah. I mean, so so just to make sure I didn't step on you, I, I am back at the gym at this time. Not literally now. Right now I'm in my studio, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to the gym. I basically alternate forms of cardio between running, elliptical and rowing machine and then rotate through different weightlifting elements targeted at different parts of the body. I hit the body with weight. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, and I, I guess my follow-up question was, I remember a few weeks, or probably maybe a couple months back at this point, there was someone who, uh, I think they left you a voicemail or an email where they said that, oh, you're like a 150-pound, uh, 
I don't even remember, like calling a beta or something like yeah. this. And I was wondering, do you think, it's kind of a bit of a humorous question, do you think people on the right might take you slightly more seriously if you decided to like bulk up and gain 20 pounds of muscle or something like that? You know, I'm not sure, number one, because it's not really that obvious when looking at screens, I don't think. And as a counterexample, I got word through our team that Ben Shapiro has been lifting weights and apparently has put on some some, you know, modest amount of muscle. And I don't see anyone taking him any more seriously. OK, I, I understood. Got it. Well, thank you for the uh, opportunity to talk, man. I appreciate it. All right, Johnny from Toronto. Thank you very much. Uh, important questions for sure that I, I, I can't can't uh, ignore those types of questions because they are critical to the culture war, I would say. Let's go to Smitty from Los Angeles. Smitty from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the program. Welcome back, I think, right? You've been on. I have. I have. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. Um, so uh, uh, Ben um, Shapiro has kind of been still in some of the uh, language that you use. Uh, he started using on his show. I like really? to listen to other perspectives. So I listen, kind of hear what he's saying, which a lot of times is just, but, what um, language of mine has he stolen? He started using the phrase you use where if all you have is a hammer, then everyone looks like a nail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't invent that, to um, be clear. No, but I haven't heard of anybody else in podcasts doing fair, that. Fair, fair. language. And he, he, he certainly, I've been listening to him for a while because I do like to get the other perspective yeah. uh, and just hear what things are trying to get away with saying but um, yeah, so I just thought that was where I thought I would report that to you. Interesting. But, um, anyway, uh, I guess my question is today, um, with the uh, book banning in Florida and that sort of thing, isn't that something that teachers could actually sue um, sue DeSantis over? On, on, first, uh, on First Amendment grounds? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I obviously I'm not a legal expert. My formal training is in dentistry, so I, I'm a little bit out of my um, comfort zone here. But from what I have read, it is arguable. It doesn't mean you would win, but it could be argued that if a state government says you can't use these books or whatever the case may be, that you would have some kind of a free speech case. But, you know, these things often come down to I don't want to call them technicalities, but they they come down to very narrow aspects of the law and definitions that exceed, you know, my ability. And it sounds like yours as well, since you're asking about it to to determine that as a layperson, it sure sounds like there could be a First Amendment argument there. I mean, that's what I thought. I just haven't heard anybody. I would assume that somebody would already to be taking him to court over that or something right. or certain aspects of it. But I haven't heard of that yet. So I, was just I mean, listen, what I would be more concerned with in a sense, although obviously if there's legal remedies that they should be pursued, is that, as I said earlier this week, the book banning and idea banning stuff is a prominent mm-hmm. characteristic of fascism. And that should very, very much scare us. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm very worried about. I, I'm just continuing to see a lot of signs that are are not very good. I think we're in for a long fight and we all need to be diligent and doing everything we can to 
contribute in ways we can to prevent this from getting any deeper. I mean, I would. I was hoping that the party would experience, the Republican Party would experience some kind of um, spiritual awakening, but I don't <laughs> see that happening with them. Yeah, the only spiritual awakening they seem to be having is that they they now are very much in favor of Christian nationalism. I saw a new poll about that, but that's a depressing topic for a different day, Smitty. Yeah, so I have one thing I wanted to uh, see if I could just uh, um, read to you real quick or something I can tell you about. So I had Chat GPT uh, write a song about you. You want to hear the first verse? Okay, yeah, sure. He's a man with a mission, speaking the truth with precision, from politics to pop culture, his shows of decision. He's the one and only, David Packman's his name, and when he speaks, we all listen, and the truth is his game. So I like it. First one. I like it very much. I would I'll consider it. it a success. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. I all right, Smitty. Uh, sir, thank you. With tears in my eyes, uh, we say goodbye for today, but uh, not forever. Not forever. Let's go next to Aubrey from Wisconsin. Aubrey, welcome back to the program. If you're able to get your equipment functioning properly. Aubrey, we are connected, but I believe you have the wrong audio device selected. And Aubrey, last chance to get that equipment working. Well, it's too bad. Uh, there goes Aubrey. Let's go instead to Keaton from San Jose. Keaton, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? And you do have to unmute yourself, Keaton. Hey, David, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Um, yeah, so you had talked about this during the the midterms and uh, 2020, and I'm curious as to what you mean when you say uh, Democrats need to be on the offense. Yeah. You're, that's the, you're just curious what I mean by that? Uh, yeah, I guess strategically, communicatively, what, what that looks like. Yeah. So yeah. being on defense would be Republican it, being on defense is the status quo. Basically, it's Republicans make some claim. These people on the left want to make our country socialist or they want to ruin this or they want to indoctrinate your kids or whatever. And then Democrats come out and like they get organized very slowly on their talking points and then they come up with something, but it's just a defense. And then you sound defensive and Republicans have already gotten out ahead on the issue. So you're kind of just playing reactive politics. The truth is, Democrats, given the disaster and joke that is the Republican Party, where they don't even pretend to be about policy anymore, the Democrats could put together a much more proactive strategy to create and take control of the news cycle, pointing out all the ways in which Republicans, if they got their way, would actively worsen the country for large swaths of people. So there's no it's not a there's no hidden message. It's just Democrats need to be more proactive rather than reactive. Mm, I see. And and one last question. Sure. Um, I'm wondering if you and and the mods or whoever it is are planning on having another uh, chess tournament. 
because I, I actually found you through um, chess.com's Pog Champions, I think. Pog Champs, yes. Well, that wasn't yeah, a tournament that I organized. I'm open to doing another chess tournament. We're just so busy and we have so many different things, including the children's book coming out soon and, and other stuff. I would gladly do another chess tournament, but it's on a list of many things that we would like to do, if that's fair. Of course. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot, David. All right. Keaton from San Jose. Great to hear from you. I'm told that Aubrey from Wisconsin's microphone is fixed. Let's see if that is true. Aubrey from Wisconsin, welcome to the program. Let's see if we can make it happen this time. Can you hear me this time? Yes, I can. Aubrey, welcome back. Okay. Hi, David. Um, thank you. I'm so sorry. My phone's like f-ing schizo. Okay. Anyway. Please don't swear because as as, as I've told oh you God, during all of your previous phone calls, we have to bleep when you swear for our radio affiliates. Thank you. I apologize. I apologize. Yeah. My phone is schizophrenic. Okay. I really apologize. Thank okay. You. No, I'm sorry. Don't be mad. I can hear it. You're like mad at me right now. No, I'm anyway. curious what t- you're bringing to me today because you do you do broach interesting topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was going to mention to you about like filters and stuff, but I don't want to talk about the type. I want to talk about. I want. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um. What is your take on America and Israel? Right? Because like right now, um, America like and what ethereal. Israel, 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 the country um, of Israel. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, because this happened like a week ago, and I wanted to ask you this. Uh-huh. Yeah, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, yeah, um, because this happened like a week ago, and I was like muted on your server actually because me and a certain someone got an argument. I'm not gonna get into it. She was very rude to me. Anyways, um, so this like um happened a week ago. They were like they like um bombed a military um. Uh, weapons, whatever, in Iran. And, like, if this was, like, any other country, this would have started World War Three. But, you know, because it's sweet baby Israel, America didn't care because, you know, we pumped them up with money. And I'm a proud Palestinian-Lebanese woman, um, as you can see, like, you know, in my PFP, I'm, like, you know, an Arab girl. Um, so that, like, you know, I just, like, wanted to see your take. Like, do you think that, like, America will ever stop pumping Israel with money? Or do you think that, like, you know, they're just going to take over the entirety of Palestine and, you know, do whatever the f- they want or whatever the heck they want. That's what I said. I said, heck, I didn't say anything. Um, Aubrey, you know, you've broached such a massive issue, which is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I'm a Palestinian woman, so I have the right to say it. Oh, I didn't. I'm not questioning your right. I'm just saying I couldn't possibly thoroughly respond to what you're saying in this format. But what I do want to tell you is that I have dozens of videos with what I believe is the only real credible path to peace in the Middle East on my YouTube channel. And I outline it in detail, including what I believe the borders would be, what I believe leadership on both sides would have to look like, etc. And so I would recommend checking out some of some of those segments, I think. But do you think it's crazy that they're able to just like fucking Okay, I should probably leave. They're okay, able Aubrey, to, like, Aubrey, 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 you, you're you're swearing completely uncontrollably. Okay, um, <laughs> let's see if we can simmer the situation a little bit. Um, I believe very, that I'm a two woman. state solution is the only likely path to peace. I don't know that I believe current leadership on either side is credibly going to get us there. And uh, I encourage you to check out my material on, on the YouTube channel about it. Okay. 
Thank you. All right. Thank you. And Aubrey, remind us, you're not from Long Island, right? No, I'm from Wisconsin. You're from Wisconsin. Okay, very good. All right, Aubrey, great to hear from you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. There goes Aubrey from Wisconsin. Let's take just a very quick break to recover from that. And once we've reconstituted our energy, we're going to come right back and take more calls. So if you are waiting on the discord, please don't hang up. We'll be right back to it. Plastic, it's everywhere we look and not enough is being done about it. One hundred billion plastic bags are used and thrown away every year. Here's something super simple you can do to reduce plastic and help the planet a little bit. Our sponsor, Hold On Bags, is the company making plastic free trash bags and zip seal kitchen bags. They're just as strong and high quality as the plastic bags you're used to. Hold On Bags are 100 percent plant based and home compostable, meaning they break down in just weeks, not decades. Their zip seal kitchen bags come in sandwich or gallon size to fit all of your needs, whether it's carrots or crayons at home. I put all of my food waste in a hold on trash bag, throw it in the compost pile. And when I throw a hold on trash bag in my dumpster, I love knowing it's not filling our landfills and oceans with plastic. Single use plastics harm the planet at every stage, production, disposal, decomposition. Join the growing movement away from single use plastic. These products are really great. It's so easy to make the switch. Go to holdonbags.com slash Pacman and you'll get 20 percent off with code Pacman at checkout. That's H-O-L-D-O-N-B-A-G-S dot com slash Pacman. Code Pacman saves you 20 percent. The info is in the podcast notes. I've had such trouble finding a great razor where I am not cutting myself or getting those nicks on my skin, which are so common with the cheap disposable razors. You have to meet our sponsor, Henson Shaving. Henson actually manufactures parts for the International Space Station and the Mars Rover. And they are bringing that exact same precision engineering to the shaving experience. It hurts when you shave because blades extend too far and thus they wobble slightly. But with their aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson is able to make metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches. That's less than the thickness of a human hair, which means a secure, stable blade with the vibration free shave. It also has built in channels to evacuate the hair and the cream. No more clogs, no more rubbing your thumb on the razor to get the hair out. I use Henson at home. Shaving is a great experience now. Henson wants to be the best razor, not the best razor business, which means you only need to buy it once and it's awesome. Go to hensonshaving.com slash Pacman add a razor and a hundred pack of blades to your cart, then enter the code Pacman to get the hundred blades for free. That is a three year supply. That's H E N S O N shaving.com slash Pacman use code Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's hear from some more people via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's go to Kansas where Casey from Kansas, Casey, because you're in Kansas, obviously you're really happy that the Kansas City, Kansas chief won the Super Bowl, right? 
I don't watch any sports ball. Sorry. Oh, okay. It was a joke because Trump once seemed to think that the Kansas City Chiefs were from Kansas rather than Missouri, but um, it went over like a lead balloon, my friend. I'm sorry. Yeah, he, I'm just as ignorant as him on that. Fair. But no, but hold on, Casey. <laughs> you know that Kansas City, Missouri is in a different yeah. state. Yeah. You do. Okay, good. All right. Okay, but uh, I just had a question because somebody was talking, you were talking about like, the how defensive and slow the Democrats are sometimes. Yes, sir. Do you think that the Democrats should just like stop focus testing and fixating on polls entirely? Like, I don't know that Democrats months. are. Do, what do you in what evidence do you have that Democrats are focusing on polls? Like in the first six months of Biden's presidency, he was not really doing much. Okay, and then after well, he six did the COVID stimulus, right? Focus testing, vaccine rollout. They came up with the phrase "mega maga." Mega maga. Yeah, that didn't accomplish anything. Like he came out and he said, "Oh, these are like mega maga Republicans." It turned out that that was from Democratic advisors doing like focus testing with a bunch of, you know, groups being like, okay, yeah, this sounds the worst, mega maga or something. You know, what's crazy is this is the first I've ever heard that term. Uh, I think it was mega maga, but it might have been something else. No, you're right. I just Googled it. It's absolutely true that that was a thing. But you mentioning it is the first I've ever heard of it. But yeah, back when this was happening, I was just like, it felt like the Democrats weren't really like doing like an aggressive strategy for a while. And the first thing that Biden comes up with is mega MAGA after sitting on a focus group for six months. Do you think <laughs> that sort of stuff is a problem at all? Yeah, Should I mean, they, I think like, it's kind of, more... I think it's just kind of a waste, you know, um, and, and here's the thing. It's not wrong to think that the right nicknames for things can be effective because let's be honest. Trump got the term crooked Hillary to stick to Hillary Clinton. Trump got uh, sleepy Joe Biden to stick to Joe Biden among certain. So, so like he didn't take six months to come up with that. Well, we don't know. We I guess <laughs> I'm not sure how long it took him, but he came up with it is the point. So I think it's right to think that messaging and nicknames and those types of things can can be important. I just don't necessarily know that focus group testing them is the right way to go. Okay. Yeah. And do you do you think that they should get new strategy advisors like entirely? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's very easy for me to say that. I think the approach needs to change. It's possible that the current advisors and strategists would be fine if they could agree on what is the different approach going to be. I don't know. They want to do that, though. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I had. All right. Well, Casey, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. There is Casey from Kansas, not Missouri, from Kansas. Let's go next to Joe from New Hampshire. Joe from New Hampshire, welcome to the program. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Uh, I have kind of a two-parter for you. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm I'm living on a college campus right now, and I, w- I would say it goes without saying that most people around here are, are more political than the average uh, population. Sure. Um, but even then I meet probably the majority of people I meet are, would consider themselves apolitical. They don't like to touch politics. Interesting. Um, and I, I'm noticing a lot of people I meet just in general seem to think that like being apolitical is some kind of virtue. Mm. 
So yeah, how, it's how similar we... to enlightened centrism. There are people who believe yeah. that because they're in the middle and they're like, well, listen, you know, one side wants to kill trans people and the other wants them to be able to use whatever bathroom they want. I'm in the middle. It's like you're in the middle of one position that's crazy, dude. You, you know, so I think the enlightened centrism is similar in a way. Um, but right, also wanna... now, yeah. let me say one thing here, Joe, before you move on. Go for it. I don't think that political apathy is a good thing because political apathy carried to its full conclusion allows small groups of extremists to basically decide how our entire political system works. So I think knowing what's going on and voting very, very important at the risk yeah, no, of sure. turning people off from my own program. I do think there are some people who are too sucked in to political issues and events and news that will never affect them and that they will never affect. And there are people who have written about this. It's not nihilism, but it's sort of understanding, you know, OK, what am I going to do about what's going on in Ukraine or the South China Sea or blah, 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 blah. And I've seen for some people it becomes unhealthy where they're so sucked into news and politics. They're just upset. They're not doing and on a lot of things. They can't do anything about it other than I might occasionally donate to a cause or vote or whatever the case may be. And so I do think it's important. And I do this myself. I think shows like mine, if you imagine like a pyramid instead of a food pyramid, it's like a information pyramid. I should be at the top of the pyramid, sort of like the junk food. You're using this to fill in your understanding of news and events built on an understanding of history and, and other areas built on a, a foundation of critical thinking and epistemology. And there are some people who are just constantly consuming opinion. And, and I don't think that that's a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. Um, I think my main concern is that there's a lot of people who, uh, for instance, in, in my state, of New Hampshire, uh, we elected two uh, Democratic senators, but we reelected the the uh, anti-abortion uh, Republic, Republican governor. Yes, and I was talking with some people after after I, I personally voted, and uh, they were talking about who they voted for, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I'm not too political, so, but you know, I, I still like abortion, so I voted for the two Democratic <laughs> senators and the and Chris Sununu because they thought Chris Sununu was pro-abortion, right? And they just like." were not critical of, of who they were voting for. Yes. No, that's a real problem. And I also know people who are like, yeah, I'm not really political, but I just I'm kind of more of a Republican. So I don't get very involved or pay attention, but I just vote for Republicans. But I'm not really very political. And then I talk to the person and all of their views actually really align more with the Democratic Party. So sometimes yeah. that apathy is actually more destructive than people who are involved. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Well, Joe, I appreciate you breaking, bringing up the issue. It's an important one. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. All right. There's Joe from New Hampshire. Great to hear from him. Uh, why don't we try, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe Emily from Colorado. Emily from Colorado, welcome to the program. Emily from Colorado, I've invited you in. Hello, David, can you hear me? I can hear you fine, Emily. Thank you. Great. I hope your day is going well. It's going well. Thanks. Um, so lying, let's talk about lying. Sure. Uh, politicians have always done this, uh, forever, yep. but with Trump, it became this sort of comical, like spectator sport, right? Yes. And, and he's also some kind of robot who can't be destroyed and only gains power through lies. He was president. Um, but now we have Congressman George Santos, yeah. boxing world champion and tallest man alive. Yeah. 
among other accolades. Um, and he's lying a lot and really badly, right? And it's about his credentials and his identity. And it's getting a lot of attention and people are calling for his reg resignation, but no one's making him resign. No. And so my, my question is like, how is there no way to make him resign? I How know. is there no law that says if you lie to the American people that you're fired? What are well, that would be a very hard that that law that would be a very hard law not only to pass sure. but also to enforce. But you're pointing out something interesting, which is politicians have lied for a long time, but there was a different type of lie that was normalized by Trump. And so before Trump, politicians would lie. But most of the lies were things like, you know, I lowered the deficit. No, you raised the deficit. And it's like, well, it either went down or it went up, but you could sort of massage data and figure out some narrow definition to make what you're saying marginally plausible where it's not an out and out lie. That type of lie. You're was saying there was more nuance. There was, there was more, more nuance, nuance to the lies and they were a different type. It wasn't like, oh, I, I have a different name and I had jobs I didn't right. have. Trump normalized a different type of lie and the types of lies that George Anthony DeVolder Santos has been telling are the types of lies that were normalized by Trumpism. Mm. As far as the resignation and part, I mean, listen, Republicans don't seem to want to force a vote on his resignation and they have the majority. So it's a very tough situation. Right. I feel like I, I don't know how we protect democracy from corruption with this two party system. Right. And, you know, it's a small margin in the House. And to some degree, Republicans might be thinking, well, if we force DeVolder out or George or Anthony, whatever you want to call them, all of them, if we force them out um, and then we lose one of the small margin that we have, and then maybe someone yeah. dies or resigns or whatever. And then all of a sudden we may end up losing control altogether. And I think that that's their primary motivation. Yeah. Yeah. It's I depressing. Mean, that, it's a huge problem. I don't know. And I don't know how we're going to dismantle the two party system in America anytime soon. Well, you've got to do campaign finance reform. You have to change how our elections right. are. You know, there's so many things that have to be done. Proportional representation would be a good step forward. None, none of which are happening in the next year and a half. I can tell you that, Emily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, yep, it's frustrating, and I'm I'm glad you're frustrated with me. And I'm with, with you. All the rest of I'm us. I'm with you. I'm with you. Thank you, Emily. Appreciate the call. See you later. All right, there is Emily from Colorado capping off. I would call it an eight out of ten today, as far as calls are concerned. Only three bleeps needed, and only two dropped calls, which is really not bad. Really not bad. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll see everybody very soon, and much more coming up on the Friday show right after this. Imagine for a second that you try logging into your email account only to find that your password was changed an hour ago, and then you get notifications of activity from your bank and then your credit cards. That is what identity theft is like, and it's a horrible feeling. And we dealt with it at the show not that long ago, but now I have an app called Aura which gives me much more peace of mind. Our sponsor Aura is the all in one solution for keeping your online account safe because Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, password, social security number, and you get fast alerts when they find something. You also get fast alerts about credit inquiries. Aura protects all of your devices from malware. Aura even requests the removal of your info from data broker sites and Aura helps you manage what your kids can do on their devices. You can restrict certain apps, 
set screen time limits, set focus times when you need them off of devices. Go to aura.com slash Pacman to try it free for seven days. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there, and Aura will tell you instantly for free. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman to try Aura for free. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's get into this week's mailbag email info at davidpackman.com. If you have a question, comment, criticism, suggestion, whatever you also may be featured if you leave a YouTube comment or if you uh, send us a message on Twitter or Facebook or whatever the case may be. Uh, let's get right into it because there are so many interesting messages. I want to start with a negative message. Yes, sometimes we start with something negative and then we move on to positive things. Clay wrote in with a very aggressive message. Clay said Gutfeld kicks every late night fascist ass maggots ass. That's why you whine about him. I can't remember the last time I mentioned Greg Gutfeld. You whine about vaccines because your dumbasses ran to pump the clot shot you. Now you clowns see that it's killing people and always the perpetual victim. It's not funny. But at the same time, you're all such narcissistic, lobotomized morons. You won't admit your party leaders effed you because liberals are idiots. Now run off and wait for the impending abortion. Hmm, I guess I do support self-aborting liberals. This is a sick person. Um, I feel so bad for people like this because their lives must just be terrible that they talk like this, that they're willing to even send messages to people like this one was by Facebook. You know, it's like this. We can see this guy's full name and where he works. And I would even if I thought stuff like this, which I don't, I would be embarrassed into a hole in the ground if I ever sent someone a message like this. And so I feel bad for these people. I really do. It's more of a sad thing that they are willing to send messages like this than anything else. Uh, But they exist and there are many, many, many of them. Uh, One more criticism. This one came via email from Wayne. Wayne said, are you getting your content from MSNBC, CNN? You're an idiot. Y-O-U-R. It's almost a requirement, folks. If you send hate mail, you have to have the wrong you're. You're an idiot. My an idiot. You're an idiot if you believe any of this. Just wait for the speech tonight. Not this was about the State of the Union. Not one word will be the truth as the Biden crime family continues to lie about everything. Gullible, low IQ people like you is the reason they're slowly wrong there. And then it should be R instead of is slowly letting socialism take over our country. Wake up, idiots. You know, it's this is this isn't about being a, being a grammar Nazi. It's if you're accusing me and my audience of being low IQ and stupid and all these things, you've got half a dozen grammar errors in a four line email and you want to call me low IQ. Come on, guys. And again, it's more of a tragedy. It's an educational tragedy. But understand something is correlating here. As I've said before, if people learn media literacy and critical thinking early, it's like a vaccine against disinformation. 
And it's not a shock that some of the people who have six errors in a four line email also believe things that aren't true about everything from vaccines to socialism to whatever the case may be. Uh, It is it is not a surprise. It's not being a grammar Nazi. It's noticing there are trends here. All right. Bjorn wrote in about Sarah Huckabee Sanders response to the State of the Union says, hey, David, thanks for the show. I listened to your show February 8th saying that Sarah Huckabee Sanders response was maybe the most vile State of the Union response you heard to me. It wasn't even a response to the State of the Union as it didn't really address anything in the State of the Union. It felt like a pre-recorded Biden is woke and bad and the left is horrible statement. Vile, yes. A response, I don't know. What do you think? You know, one of the things that Bjorn is right about, and I realized after the fact, I don't I'd have to listen to it again. I don't know that Sarah Huckabee Sanders needed to wait until after the speech to give that speech. What what I mean is she could have recorded the speech before Biden's State of the Union address. And it would have been just as relevant, irrelevant in reality, because I think Bjorn is right. I don't know that anything Biden actually said was addressed. Yes, socialism and woke and all these different things. But I don't think that the actual subject matter of Biden's speech was addressed by Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I think Bjorn is absolutely onto something. It really wasn't an actual response. Matt wrote in and said, David, sir, I love the new backdrop on the set. You're the best, Matt. You know, I have to tell you, um, on this program, anytime we've changed anything, if we're lucky, half the audience is positive about it. When we change music, we get so many criticisms. When we've changed set elements, we get criticisms. When I went to, oh, you know, now I do wear a tie on the show. Now I'm no longer wearing a tie. Now I'm not even wearing the, the blazer. I'm back. This, it's always negative. Our guest hosts negative, which we'll get to, by the way, this change to the backdrop, which I believe is a beautiful change, has been received more positively than anything we have ever changed on the show, which is great. Makes me happy. You love to see it. And uh, we've got a couple other small changes up our sleeve, which will be coming soon. Mickle wrote to me and said, David, there's something that bugs me when you cover George Santos in your show. You keep referring to him as George Anthony DeVolder Katara Santos. I think you should not include Katara at this point. What he did in his past as a drag, I think he, I think Mickle means as a drag queen, was not a lie. And he doesn't owe any explanation about it to anybody. I know you're not asking for that. But when you keep including that part when covering his continuous lies, you make it look like that's a lie, too. It wouldn't be a big deal unless homophobes, transphobes and dragphobes could use that against him, which I'm afraid can happen. That's why I think you should limit his name to George Anthony DeVolder Santos already long enough without Katara. So I have two thoughts about this. Number one, Katara is related to a lie because he said it wasn't him initially. When the photos came out of Santos and drag, which is politically relevant because Republicans have been on a crusade against drag queens and drag shows and drag time reading hour, whatever. Um, He lied and said that wasn't me and then later said, actually, it was me. So it is part of the lie. That being said, I've received emails on both sides of this. I received a few emails like what Mickle says, which is it could be sort of seen as like mildly homophobic or drag phobic or whatever to include Katara in the name because that was his drag name. And others who wrote to me, including people from the LGBT community who said, David, 
He lied about the drag stuff. It's completely fair to include Katara when you say George, Anthony, Katara, Devolder Santos, sort of like Stephen Kenneth Destiny, Banel the second. I have stopped using Katara over the last week. I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other, but certainly nothing homophobic is meant by it. John wrote in and said, if Trump is still president, why does it matter that the election was stolen? Seems like it wouldn't matter, right? Great job, David and Luke. Keep it up. That's from John, who also goes by Mongoose. Yeah, this is one of those, you know. The January 6th riots were actually totally peaceful and the rioters were Antifa. And it's like, wait, but so were they peaceful or were they Antifa? Um, It is true. It is true that for the people who say the election was stolen and also I believe Trump is still the president, if Trump is still the president, it wasn't really stolen, was it? If you believe Trump won, good luck speaking to these people. I mean, it's like you're trying to apply logic to claims that are completely illogical. So while you're completely correct, I believe it would be a waste of time to try to confront these folks with that, but probably entertaining on some level. Daniel wrote in about my replacements, my guest hosts, and said, David, none of these people comes even close to you. I cannot watch the show if you're not there. Please don't go away again, says Daniel. Well, Daniel, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm going to continue going away. Breaks are important. Vacations are important. Now, we've gone over this issue with the guest hosts many times with you in the audience. There was a time when when I was off, there was no show, just there were no shows. And a lot of people didn't like that. They said, David, you should have someone fill in for you. We started having people fill in, which, by the way, is a lot more work for us. Um, And no matter who fills in, I get a ton of emails saying I didn't like that person. People write in, they say, I don't like when Luke Beasley fills in. I prefer Farron. We have Farron. People write in, Farron's terrible. You should have, uh, uh, you know, Jesse Dollimore or someone else. Jesse Dollimore fills in for me. Jesse's terrible. He yells too much. Someone said you should have Luke do it. There is not going to be a perfect fit, but I think there's a couple takeaways from this. Number one, it is flattering that me being gone is upsetting to people in the sense that there are people that are sort of counting on the show and like the show enough that when I'm not here, it's upsetting to them. I I find that beautiful. I think that that's a testament to the community that we've built here, and it's a really great thing. Now, where it gets ugly is the people who threaten to cancel their memberships if I have replacement hosts or go on vacation. You know, if you're telling me you value the show so much that you want me to be here more and you're willing to pay for a membership, it seems a little strange that you would say, I'm going to stop watching and cancel my subscription if you take any vacations. It seems not only insensitive to the reality that like, hey, I need breaks, too. But if you love the show so much that you're furious when I'm gone, why would you swear it off and start supporting the show? That's a little bit of a bummer. But here's the bottom line. Nobody likes not everybody likes any of the hosts that we have. Okay, and after all, it is the David Pakman show. So it sort of makes sense that at least in general, you're tuning in to see me. So I'm very sensitive to that. We are going to continue a rotating cast of guest hosts. That way there will be hopefully someone everybody likes. And if you only want to see me, then just don't watch or listen on the days that I'm gone. I think that's the best solution for everybody. And most importantly, I really appreciate everybody who does have a paid subscription 
And when we're off, writes in and says, hey, David, just wanted to let you know I'm a paid supporter. You being gone reminded me how much I, I like the show and count on it. Enjoy the time away. Can't wait to see you when you're back. Those are really beautiful messages. I get like three whenever I'm away. OK, uh, we have a great bonus show for you today. Sign up at joinpackman.com. We'll see you then.